US inflation running hot, pushing yields higher again. UK GDP, not such a rosy picture. Uh, lots of data coming from China today. It's the grounds for optimism. And we are in Paris. We'll tell you why in just a moment. It's the morning call from NAB. It's Friday, the 13th of October, 2023. Good morning. So the US dollar is up 0.6% this morning. The Aussie is down 0.8% at 63.30. The euro is down 0.7%. The pound down 1%. There is a bit of a caveat behind all of these numbers, which I'll come to in just a second. 10-year treasuries are up 11 basis points. UK 10-year gilt yields up 9 basis points. Bunds up 7. Two-year yields rising almost as much across the board as well. And Aussie 10 years yesterday finishing down 6 basis points to 4.37%, uh, up about 7 on futures overnight. And oil prices, Brent is around 85.85, pretty much where it was this time yesterday. But it did rise $2 during the session, then came back down again. Anthony Blinken is in uh, Tel Aviv right now. He's extended his trip to try and stop the unrest from spreading further, which could explain why oil has fallen down a bit. And China has engaged with Tel Aviv for the first time as well and wants to work on peace talks too. So efforts are clearly underway to try and stabilise all of this. In equities, the Dow down 0.1%. The S&P is flat. The Nasdaq up a tenth of 1%. In Europe, well, that closed with the Eurostoxx 50 flat. The FTSE 100 up 0.3%. The DAX down 0.2% at close. Now, that caveat is that we are sitting in the Australian embassy in Paris doing the podcast this morning, and uh, they want to go home. So we have to publish the podcast a bit earlier than we normally would. So some of those prices might have moved a little bit by the time this gets to you. But Gavin Friend is sitting here in Paris with me. So let's start with obviously the obvious place to start, US inflation. Gavin, it has come in a little on the hot side. Uh, and as a consequence, we are seeing yields pushing higher and the dollar stronger, just as you'd expect when we get a number like this. Yeah, good morning, Phil. Good to be with you. Yeah, so CPI then for September, you know, the market was looking for a 0.3 rise on the headline. It came in at 0.4, so um, a tenth of uh, a percentage point higher. But down from 0.6 in August, we must remember. Meanwhile, core CPI, as expected, at 0.3, the same as in August. And here, remember, we had two previous um, you know, monthly readings of just under you know, 0.2 uh, of a percentage point. So fairly benign on that point. When we look at the headline rate, I mean, it was driven really by... Um, things like energy. It wasn't food. I mean, that's the biggest or the, one of the most largest uh, weightings in the index. That was fairly benign at 0.2. It was energy, which has got a 7% uh, weighting in the CPI basket, and that rose 1.5%. That in itself was down from a, a, a stronger 5.6% month-on-month increase in August. So energy appears to be losing its hold, which offers hope, I think. You know, recall two or three months ago, before energy prices spiked, headline inflation was running at uh, 0.2% month-on-month with energy at 0.1% month-on-month. So here, of course, the wild card, to some extent, is what, what is going on in the Middle East and the, the extent to which that impacts energy prices going forward. So the response that we're seeing today, then, in yields, is that literally just the result of that? Or is that that fear that, we, yes, you know, this has been caused by oil and we really don't know which way oil is going to go? Well, before we come to that, Phil, on the core, I must just mention one of the biggest drivers was a 0.6-month-a-month uh, jump in Shell Alter costs, you know, uh, owner's equivalent rent, things like that, which has got quite a, a high weighting. If you look at things like other measures of shelter, like the Zillow rent index, that suggests that this factor probably won't be there for that long. But today, the movement we've seen in yields is more about, you know, the bigger, the bigger picture view that um, the Fed has got to keep 
uh, on message. You know, it, it, it has, as we've heard from a number of Fed speakers in recent days, the sort of bear steepening move that had gripped the market over the last few weeks with much higher longer term yields. The Fed has acknowledged 60, 70 basis points, as we've seen there in 10 year yields, you know, does some of the Fed's work for it, as does lower equity markets, as does uh, a widening of credit spreads. And so, you know, the Fed has acknowledged that. Uh, at the same time, when you get a number like today, you know, we had seen yields pull back 20 or 30 basis points in the last two or three days. So you get a number like today, your mind goes back to last Friday and that really chunky payroll number. And it just reminds us that the Fed has got to, as I say, you know, stay on message. Uh, and I think that's, the, that's, that's where the market is now pushing into next week, thinking the job is not done. The market still doesn't have, have a full um, additional rate hike price for November or December, but those odds have risen a little bit after the CPI number. And indeed, the, uh, the pricing of a rate cut has pushed out from June next year to July. Closer to home, I mean, uh, Tapas was talking yesterday about whether the RBA might be faced with more than one hike. And uh, we've seen in the numbers yesterday, Aussie consumer inflation expectations rising up from 4.6% to 4.8%. A lot of that also obviously to do with higher oil prices, which could be something, yes, that we are going to see more of. Now, nothing surprising about UK GDP, was there? It was up 0.2% month on month, which uh, was a slight downward revision for the month before when it fell 0.6%. So, you know, perhaps the UK isn't having such a, an anus horribilis to steal the expression from the late Queen uh, that we perhaps expected it was going to have. Well, I don't know about that, Phil. I mean, we, we do know we've had this, you know, helpful upward revision to GDP, so two percentage points or so from late 2019 until the last quarterly numbers at the end of Q2 this year. Um, but when you look at these monthly numbers for August, um, yes, point two, that reverses the sort of partially, you know, the bad weather, the industrial action that we saw in July. But that was also revised further lower to 0.6 from 0.5 negative. So when you look at what's running, you know, uh, growth at the moment, there were some upticks from health and education as those things came back online. But manufacturing down 0.8, construction down 0.5, it tells you that the run rate outside of making up for lost ground isn't that good. Anecdotal evidence tells us that retail sales is not doing particularly well. When we think about Q3, which we'll get in a month's time, you need a, 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 you know, a, a positive 0.2 just to stay flat might get that. I mean, the odds are that, you know, it might be a 0.1 or even a flat. So we could be looking at a negative GDP print in Q3 in a month's time. It's going to be touch and go. All right, very good. Well, let's look at what's coming up today. We get retail card spending for New Zealand this morning. Uh, China's inflation rate as well and trade data for September. Now, last month, year on year, exports were down 8.8%. Imports were down 7.3%. It's not expected to be quite as bad, but still well down, which presumably means we're still going to be struggling with supply chain issues for a lot of industries that are, are, are reliant on China. Yeah, we are. Um, you know, and of course, if you remember, um, you know, in the inflation numbers the prior month, um, they were down, uh, just dipping into negative territory. That's been averted. I think markets are just looking at the China numbers, the sort of tiptoe into stimulus in various areas um, as a positive sign. We're seeing that reverberate through. Um, the PMIs through um, global measures of, uh, of, of manufacturing, those kinds of things. Um, for the moment, 
the news on Country Garden and Evergrande is not good, but the market is putting that to one side and thinking that, you know, what, what, what the Chinese authorities are doing at the moment is just keeping growth, you know, steady. It's not where they would want it to be, but it's, you know, tiptoeing along. So I think, if, you know, what, what for these numbers, the market won't want to see is inflation, you know, going negative again. Um, and, there's, you know, I guess there's, there's no reason to expect it to. The market is looking for a 0.2 month for month increase. Um, just flipping back to credit card spending in New Zealand. I mean, our BNZ colleagues are looking for something around about um, uh, 0.4. That follows the sort of 0.9 rebound. But that won't be enough, they think, to resume, you know, a, a more robust uh, retail trade outlook in, for, for Q3. All right. And also, uh, Euro area industrial production today, US import and export prices. So Christine Lagarde, uh, she's talking at a World Bank meeting this weekend in in Marrakesh. Uh, So, yeah, what is her view going to be? Do you think coming out of that? Well, I'm not. I'm not sure this is going to be the forum uh, for any sort of policy uh, announcements. But what would be of interest, were she to go there, would be the extent to which the sort of backing up in yields, although they're off the highs now in uh, in Europe and Germany and Italy, and lots of focus on that spread between Germany and Italy ten year. You know what the ECB is thinking about this. We we know about the sort of forceful transmission mechanism of uh, rate rises to date. So this is obviously extenuated that. We haven't really seen much of a rebound in lending and loan demand. So any kind of colour that she can give the market on this, uh, as the market starts to think about, you know, if it's bad for the US, you know, how bad is it going to be for Europe? Well, I mean, is there anything that she could say that wasn't in the ECB minutes? Because of course, we just had the ECB minutes out last night. And that's the relevance of this, uh, Phil. So in those minutes, we knew that the decision to raise Rates in September was a close call between the, the Hawks and the Doves, but the, uh, you know, the Hawks prevailed. But just looking through those minutes, the point was made that um, there was this uh, concern from the Doves that, they, that the ECB might be repeating the mistake that it made uh, in 2011. Remember when Jean-Claude Trichet raised rates into the downturn there. Uh, the quote was, the point was made that the risks of hiking at the present time and later having to reverse course should the economy weaken by more than expected were larger than those of introducing a pause in the tightening cycle and having to increase rates at one more meeting or at another meeting in the coming months. Um, so, so again, you know, to reiterate, if um, if Lagarde were to go anywhere near like that, it's not her, it's not her way to do that kind of thing. She she would normally leave these kinds of things for a full policy meeting, but. Um, just in case. We'll wait and see. Thanks, Gavin. And I did mention at the beginning of the podcast, we are doing the podcast today from Paris. It is Infrastructure Week here in Paris to promote investment by European businesses in Australia's renewable industry. We've just held a panel discussion on decarbonisation. Jennifer McKinley from Austrade also spoke. She's Austrade's uh, manager Europe. Is there a lot of interest in, because I mean, we, we are just one country in the world, obviously, aren't we? And everybody is looking at a renewable future. So, and you're here trying to sell the Australian angle. So what's your sales pitch? Thanks very much, Phil. Look, always up for an opportunity to give Australia a plug and prosecute Australia as a fantastic place to invest. And look, today we were talking about the decarbonising journey that Australia is on, and we've really got a great story to tell. We've started accelerating this journey over the last year, and there's a tremendous amount of opportunity in Australia. Firstly, if we just start with our, you know, our our uh, stump pitch that Australia is an incredibly reliable and safe place to, uh, to trans- transact business. And also, it's just got so much going for it in terms of its 
geographical positioning, its natural resources, its strong rule of law. But when we get onto the, the value proposition in terms of becoming a renewable energy superpower, we've got it all going for us. We're really on this journey to net zero. We're, we're starting to decarbonise our economy. Um, we've enacted legislation that's aimed at reducing carbon emissions by 43% by 2030 and achieving net zero emissions by 2050. And, and this we're going to do with relying on our strengths. And our strengths, firstly, with the highest solar radiation per square metre of any continent in the world. Our long coastlines, which are giving us this opportunity to, to tap into offshore wind. We're already doing onshore wind, now we're doing offshore. And then think about also our strong position in critical minerals. Last week, our minister, Minister King, was here prosecuting the case for Australia as a reliable and sustainable and... Um, fantastic critical minerals partner for the rest of the world and particularly here in the EU. You know, you must know that Australia is already the world's largest producer of lithium and also known for our resources in so many other critical minerals and rare earths such as tantalum and zirconium. These are the minerals of the future that are really going to help us uh, power um, you know, this transition to, to net zero. I'm so glad you are doing the job selling this <laughs> to the world. You marvelous, you sold me. So is it, so just very briefly, because we, we do have to move on, it's only a short podcast, but, but I mean, have, um, ha, is it working? Are you getting a lot of traction? Is there a lot of interest for people who want to invest in the renewables industry in Australia? Look, we're getting a tremendous amount of interest, particularly here from Europe. And this is all about investors that are already based in Australia, looking to diversify their portfolios and do more in Australia. They already do business in Australia. They find it a fantastic pace, place to, to, um, to, to grow their businesses. And now they want to be part of this decarbonisation journey. And then we're also looking at you know, new and future investors looking at Australia. The EU is such an incredibly important investor into Australia, mm. and we will be doing more in the coming years. And of course, if I might give the Australian trade and investment commission a plug with our fantastic investment teams based here in the UK and Europe but also in Australia helping our investors to navigate uh, the Australian uh, landscape work out the regulation make those contacts and and really build their businesses and investment fantastic Jennifer McKinley from Austrade and uh, that's it for now but this afternoon the weekend edition looks at the Australian superannuation industry with Deloitte's Diane Somerville the growth in assets in the super industry over the next few years might surprise you join us for that that's it for now I'm Phil Dobby for now see you soon <laughs>